Welcome to the Consulta Cairo podcast, brought to you by the Australian Chiropractors Association. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. These podcasts are all about helping you find health and wellness in your life. On the podcast, you'll be hearing from various experts on a range of health-related topics. These experts will present the latest research and offer tips for you to self-manage health issues and maintain good health. You'll also learn a little about chiropractic and what role a chiropractor might have on your health team. And now, it's over to your host, Dr. Anthony Coxon. Welcome to the very first Consult a Cairo podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Before we dive into today's podcast, if you haven't done so already, please hit the follow button. That way, it'll be easy for you to keep up to date with the latest health information to maximize your well-being. You can also share this podcast with a friend and help them achieve their best health and wellness. Today's podcast is all about migraine. The Deloitte Group recently commissioned a white paper called Migraine in Australia, which revealed that 4.9 million people in Australia suffer from migraine. So chances are every one of our listeners either experience migraine themselves or probably knows someone who does. Joining me on the podcast to discuss migraine is Associate Professor Peter Tushin, a well-known chiropractic researcher, academic and headache expert. Uh, Peter is a retired uh, Associate Professor from Macquarie University and served in that role for 27 years. He's written over 60 papers that have been accepted for international scientific journals and has received several international research awards. Peter also conducted one of the largest ever randomized controlled trials on chiropractic for migraine and recently completed a systematic literature review on migraine therapy. So he's certainly very well credentialed to speak on this topic. Hi, Peter, and welcome to the Consult a Cairo podcast. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for the invitation to present on, on what I think is a very important topic. I mentioned the Deloitte paper in the intro. So migraines are not just very common, but they're also very costly, both on a personal and economic perspective. That's right. As you mentioned, the Deloitte paper estimated nearly 5 million Australians can suffer from the condition, which is you know, nearly 8% of the population. Um, and the economic cost was estimated to be over $35 billion, which is a staggering figure. So I see a lot of migraines in my practice, as I'm sure uh, many chiropractors do. Sometimes I'll be having a conversation with a new patient who says they experience migraines. But when I dive a little bit more into the history, really experiencing bad headaches, but not exactly migraines. So Perhaps can you cl clarify what is a migraine and how is it different to other headaches? Sure. Yeah, as we've discussed, um, there's a, a significant percentage of the population have migraines. It, they estimate that 18% uh, of females get migraines and 6% and males. So it's a ratio of three to one. Um, and they also estimate 25% of households have at least one migraine sufferer. And when we discuss these figures, it's important to remember that the figures are probably underestimated as many people don't consult a medical practitioner because they don't actually know what they've got. So as you've said, uh, migraine is typically a very severe headache. So on a scale of one to 10, where, where 10 is excruciating pain, 
migraines are, are rated at eight or more. Uh, and a true migraine means the person has to seek their normal activities of, of daily living. So they just can't continue because the pain is so intense. Um, they're often described as a, a throbbing, pounding headache. And then people can also get a whole lot of uh, additional symptoms. Typically, it's sensitivity to bright light or loud noise. Uh, so the person has to uh, lock themselves away in a, in a quiet, dark room until the migraine uh, uh, ceases. You mentioned how migraines are more common in females than males. Uh, are there other sort of characteristics or, or age groups that, that tend to experience migraines more yeah so the the peak for prevalence is in around the 30 to 40 age category but it can affect all ages including children uh, we'll discuss that a little bit later on um, and uh, the ratio three to one for females it's it's often connected uh, or at least related to menstrual cycle and, and that's why the peak prevalence in is in that 30 to 40 age category and so uh, women will often experience a migraine around the time of their periods, but they can also get it mid-cycle when there's another peak in, in hormones. Um, but there can be a lot of other uh, triggers for them as well uh, that we will discuss shortly. In fact, uh, let's get into that part of it right now. What are the typical mechanisms that trigger or cause a migraine? So usually there is a, a family history, um, but not always. So um, Seventy percent of people will have uh, uh, another member of the family that is a migraine sufferer as well, but there's still a significant number of people where there's just no um, family history. So genetics is an important part, but then we also have to look at whilst the person might have a genetic issue, uh, what are the triggers or what are the switches that might then lead to a migraine episode, and the common triggers or switches uh, stress. Um, so people with uh, stressful events uh, and, and even the thought of a, an event coming up in the future um, can produce the, the stress to trigger a migraine. Uh, many foods uh, are cited as a, a trigger for migraine and a lot of them have, um, you know, not only food colorings and additives, but uh, um, things like uh, um, different types of cheeses with uh, um, um, different additives in them. Uh, each migraine sufferer will know what uh, foods or what events they're susceptible to, um, so they obviously try and avoid them. There can be environmental factors like extreme heat or cold, um, glare. Uh, as we've discussed, hormonal influences are very important for females. Uh, sleeping uh, problems, poor sleep cycles can be a trigger for migraine, uh, bad posture, a lot of neck tension, neck stress. So the summary is uh, it's an overloaded or, or a hypersensitive nervous system. So because that's what is thought to be the, the, the mechanism behind migraine, a lot of pharmaceuticals uh, try and reduce the, uh, the neurological um, system sensitivity so they either decrease some of the chemicals the uh, neurotransmitters or they block how those neurotransmitters work in the nervous system um, the concern is unfortunately many of the migraine pharmaceuticals do have 
fairly significant um, side effects. Yes, and we'll definitely get into those side effects a little bit further down. Uh, it's an interesting thing when you talk about triggers that it's not black and white. Um, the sleep cycle, you know, certainly if people are not getting enough sleep, that can trigger a migraine. But when people sleep in <laughs> and get a lot more sleep, uh, that can trigger a migraine and and hence the often the, the weekend migraine. And even things with coffee, you know, sometimes too much coffee can trigger a migraine. But if you don't drink too much coffee, sometimes having a coffee just at the start of a migraine can um, can actually help certain individuals. It's a it's a it's a strange set of triggers, isn't it? it exactly, and and it shows the diversity of uh, of situations for people with migraines. And and as you've discussed, sometimes uh, caffeine can be a trigger for a migraine, but for some people, caffeine is a treatment for their migraine. Yes. So it can be very confusing for someone that's not had a migraine to understand what's going on and therefore understand what they can do to try and try and help um, help themselves with this particular episode and also prevent future episodes. So people who experience migraines uh, can get them, as you said, at any stage of life. But when someone's getting a migraine for the very first time, it can be pretty scary. In addition to a fairly intense headache, uh, they are often be experiencing things like tunnel vision, dizziness, or the other neurological type symptoms that often go with a migraine. How does a person experience a migraine for, for a first time know firstly that it's a migraine and not something serious like a stroke? And, and what should they really be doing when they're experiencing this first episode? Yeah, so that's exactly the concern, as you've said, that um, a lot of these migraine symptoms, particularly the visual symptoms, the tunnel vision, loss of vision, flashing lights, um, can be similar symptoms to the early part of a stroke or, or uh, sometimes what are also called mini-strokes, transient ischemic attacks. So it can be very confusing for a person uh, if they're experiencing their first episode. And I suppose it always goes back to um, getting a second opinion. So someone may have already been to their GP about this um, this episode, these symptoms, and not necessarily um, had much improvement. They may also have been to a neurologist, but are still not sure what triggered this episode or what they can do in the future. So I suppose you know, it's always worthwhile getting a second opinion, which would include seeing a chiropractor. Um, the chiropractor can then um, examine the person, um, you know, chiropractic registration in Australia requires at least five years university study. So typically students have done a bachelor's degree and often a master's degree. Um, and chiropractors are very well educated in performing um, a good clinical history and physical examination. And I think one of the other things uh, for people to remember is you don't necessarily need to have imaging as part of that. So not always do we need x-rays or scans, uh, um, MRI scans. Sometimes the, the clinician, the chiropractor can have a, a very good understanding of what's going on without the need for that image. Mm. Um, and there is lots of research that shows people having these uh, intense symptoms related to, to migraines can uh, get substantial benefits having some chiropractic manual therapy. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about the different types of migraines and to start with, to distinguish between the classic and the common migraine. 
Yeah, so the classic migraine and common migraine, these these are older terms now. So now the terms that people might hear is migraine with aura and migraine without aura. So migraine without aura is the more common type, and this is why it used to be called common migraine. Um, people can have um, a lot of migraine symptoms. So as we said, a, a strong pounding, throbbing headache with changes in sensitivity to light or noise. The big difference is, um, people with uh, migraine with aura have these what are des described as transient neurological features. So they can get these additional symptoms. And sometimes it's things like a change in sensations over the face, alteration in taste, alteration in smell. And a migraine sufferer will often know that this, uh, this the onset of this particular symptom, this particular feature tells them that they're just beginning to have this migraine event, migraine cascade. So that's the the difference between the two is the the type and the severity of that aura that people experience. And I guess we can add a third category there. Not only can you have migraine with aura or migraine without aura, but you can have the aura without the headache. And we see this a lot in children. Yeah, there's actually... Um, 13 categories of migraines and and a lot of them are determined by the type and the the severity and the length of the aura so as you mentioned uh, migraine can be quite common um, in children as well um, typically the features with children are a little bit dif different to adults um, in young children especially uh, the, the major symptom with migraine is often gastrointestinal sensitivity so they get called abdominal migraine because children just have pretty pronounced nausea and vomiting. And, and the concern is if they're frequently vomiting, then they can um, cause dehydration, which for children is a very significant uh, event and usually requires a, a trip to the emergency department. Mm. Let's talk about some of those other different types of migraines and particularly the more common ones. Vestibular migraine is is one that I certainly see a bit of in practice. Yeah, this is a relatively new uh, diagnostic label. Um, so people can get uh, dizziness with migraine, um, and it's given a lot of different terms: giddiness, uh, dizziness, giddiness, vertigo, imbalance. Um, so with a vestibular migraine, that's the more pronounced symptom with their migraine. They can still get other migraine features and, and have that severe headache, but it's typical this, this imbalance and especially uh, sensitivity to movement motion uh, reproduces or exacerbates their symptoms. So people often describe a, a past history of motion sickness, particularly when they're younger, um, but there is a, a substantial overlap in all these symptoms. So it really gets back to... Um, a, a thorough history, clinical history and clinical examination to see if that the, the symptoms, that dizziness or giddiness vertigo, can be reproduced in a physical examination. And uh, lots of uh, many chiropractors are, are well trained in being able to determine whether it's a, a vestibular migraine or some other type of imbalance. Absolutely. And I think as you, you hit the nail on the head there, it's the... Um experience, knowledge, and education of the chiropractor to determine whether this is 
something like a benign positional vertigo, and we'll definitely have a podcast on that uh, sometime soon, uh, or a migraine or something else, and whether that needs referral or whether that's something that's uh, that's managed effectively within a chiropractic office. Yeah, exactly, and it's um, it's important to have that um, thorough clinical history, the description of what may have started the the episode, what symptoms uh, came on first, what things get aggravated, what um, activities aggravate them. All these uh, questions lead us to getting a, a thorough idea of what may be the the trigger and what what may be the diagnosis for this particular headache. So you mentioned earlier on about um, uh, menstrual cycle being a, a trigger and changing in hormonal levels, uh, creating a migraine. Is there actually a category called a hormonal headache or a hormonal migraine rather? Um, there is. It's not something that's uh, used um, frequently, but it is something that obviously a lot of uh, women will experience migraines around their uh, time of menses period. Um, or also mid-cycle too, because there's also another peak of, of hormones mid-cycle. So um, whether or not that lay, that diagnosis is given, it'll still get back to what can be done to try and help this person um, to, to have some relief. And initially you might think because it's uh, related to hormones that physical therapy might not necessarily give them improvement. But there is certainly uh, is research that shows that reducing this nerve um, um, sensitization then makes the person less likely that the, some of the other triggers like hormonal changes uh, will affect them as much. So certainly over the years, I've seen lots of lots of women who had a very classic pattern related to their menstrual cycle, still have good relief having some uh, physical treatment like, like chiropractic treatment. Now, one of the, uh, I guess, challenges with particularly chronic migraines, so those migraines that have been experienced over a long period of time, uh, is the potential for medication side effects, and in particular, uh, medication actually triggering migraines. I know that I've got some patients who uh, find that if they take a certain uh, type of medication right at the outset of their medication of their migraine, that sometimes that can give... Um, complete relief and, and stop the migraine. And, and then often that it doesn't, sometimes it's a cycle that just goes through anyway. But there's increasing research now that shows that the medication that is purported to help a migraine can actually uh, create the problem. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right, Anthony. There, there is, uh, it's a complex condition. So people that have had migraines for a long time, chronic migraine um, can have a, a lot of difficulty in trying to find the best treatment for them. And so some of the migraine medications can be very effective at um, stopping the initial episode, but because they um, make quite a lot of chemical changes, there is this uh, effect known as a rebound migraine. So sometimes people will experience another migraine within a very short time frame, within 24 hours. So the person then gets stuck in this dilemma. They've got a a terrible migraine coming on and they know that this medication will will abort the migraine fairly quickly but then they also get this rebound migraine and so they do they then keep on taking medication which unfortunately may lead them developing this situation where they um, are just over medicated and start getting this um, medication overuse migraine which is a very significant 
problem and sometimes um, needs pretty significant treatment, including um, stays in hospital to try and break this cycle. So it is very tricky for people. And I know a lot of migraine sufferers um, are really looking for ways to try and reduce their reliance on pharmaceuticals and, and try and look for other options that have good um, research and evidence to support to, to support their use. And I guess one of the ways, of course, that's really important is to look at things other than medication to, 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 to manage the headaches, and not only at the time of the headache, but I guess even more importantly, in between the headaches and try and control those triggers. And uh, we're going to go a bit more about uh, how chiropractors can help that, but clearly that's one of the the avenues to go down. That's right. And and there are a number of different treatments. Uh, you know, as we've discussed, chiropractic is one. There's some other um, treatments that uh, reduce sensitivity in the, in the nervous system by using um, external devices, the, the, what are termed neuromodulation techniques or devices. So they can be quite useful. Um, it's, it's always important to have a look at what uh, research supports this treatment idea and see whether or not the person feels that is um, appropriate for them. I know in your research that uh, up to 80% of the migraineurs felt that stress was a trigger for the headaches, or at least one of the triggers uh, for the headaches. Um, this has got to be a really important thing for, for people with migraines uh, to help and and for chiropractors to, to understand. Exactly. So for some people, stress certainly seems to be a significant trigger for headaches in general, and especially migraines. So I suppose one of the, the first pieces of advice is uh, looking at uh, uh, relaxation techniques and, and what's available to try and um, reduce the level of stress if the person feels um, you know, a high level of anxiety about what's what's going to happen. And so some of the psychological uh, uh, techniques such as uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, there's a lot of um, apps now that are available to reduce anxiety. Um, there's some online courses people can do for anxiety to try and um, reduce that. Um, one of the things uh, I recommend but it's also complex is um, exercise. So exercise can be very effective for some people, but it can also unfortunately be a trigger. Mm. So you really have to look at the pattern of exercise and, and when you should try and do your exercise so it doesn't induce a, a headache or a migraine, but still improves the overall uh, neuromuscular, um, all our neuromuscular uh, skeletal systems for the person so um, that can be stretching exercise it can be toning and, st and strengthening exercises as well and certainly a chiropractor can give good individual guidance guidance on what type of exercise might suit one person versus another and getting on to that uh, how is it and uh, that a chiropractor can specifically help people with migraine headaches um, so as i've mentioned there there are a lot of uh, good studies that show um, manual treatments, including spinal manipulation, can be effective in reducing this overall neurological stimulation. So just looking at ways of trying to reduce uh, overactive nervous systems and trying to um, give people relief through uh, an, any other therapy, any other treatment other than pharmaceuticals. So chiropractors can also 
had discussions with um, sleeping patterns because, uh, you know, as we've discussed, sleep or sleep cycles can be um, triggers for migraines and, and what patients often report is once they've had work done on their, on their bodies, in particular their neck, their sleep pattern seems to be much better. Mm. Um, there's other ways to facilitate that. Nowadays, there are good um, sleep apps to help people um, trying to get to sleep. Um, and often this all revolves in looking at co-management. So it's not just one treatment, but it's multiple treatments. And and the chiropractor can have a discussion with the patient as to you know what they think would be the the best management plan for their for their headaches and their migraines. Without uh, going into too much uh, detail, Peter, can you talk about the the neurological connection between uh, the neck? And it's not only migraines, but headaches in general. So there's lots of nerves uh, connecting through the whole body and in particular with the neck and all the muscles around the neck and the shoulders. Uh, these nerves enter the spinal cord around the top two vertebrae in the neck. So it's in, in especially into something called the brain stem. So people might have seen... Um, pictures of the, the nerve connections and the nerve system. And it, um, there's a lot of input into something called the trigeminose cervical nucleus, which means uh, nerves from the head and face going through the neck into the spinal cord. So the, spine, the, the nervous system seems to be highly sensitive. You get this central sensitization. And so reducing neck tension may decrease the the input into the nervous system uh, also working on people's neck um, may improve blood flow to the brain so not only is the brain getting all the, the nutrients and the oxygen it needs but improving blood flow can reduce toxins in the brain and this uh, high level of toxins is also thought to be uh, potential triggers for headaches migraines and other uh, neurological disorders so trying to improved blood flow is also very effective um, yeah. and as i just mentioned people when they've had treatments um, often find their sleep pattern is better um, and so you know the research shows it's it's worth a trial of therapy and i think people need to be aware it's a spinal manipulation and manual therapies are actually very safe procedures with relatively few side effects and very rare um, adverse events. So, you know, you're in good hands. That's interesting. One of the uh, most common things that I have patients tell me when they get an adjustment, apart from, you know, that felt great, uh, is that I know I'm going to sleep well tonight, especially if they've experienced chiropractic care before. So uh, anecdotally exactly. in my practice, I, I certainly have a lot of people uh, telling me that. Oh, sleeping patterns very important, and and people often find as soon as you do work on their neck, they feel that stimulation. You know, sometimes instantly. Um, it yeah. can be quite uh, uh, quite quick for people to feel the change. Peter, thank you so much for for your time today. I think this has been really revealing and uh, hopefully very helpful for a lot of people who experience migraines. Um, really appreciate your time on the Consult a Cairo podcast today. It's been my pleasure, Anthony. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to consult with an ACA accredited chiropractor to discuss your migraines or indeed any other health issues, simply go to chiropractors.org.au. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for optimal health and look forward to chatting with you again on our next Consult a Chiro podcast.